It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It's time for Takes on Takes. You know the drill. You give us the takes. We'll give you a take on your take today on the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast. You are Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes, your daily podcast for NFL and college football scouting. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. We're the Draft Dudes. I'm Joe Marino from Locked On Bills. He's Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins. And we are your NFL experts here with you daily to talk team building across the league on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making Locked On NFL Scouting your first listen every day. And a big welcome and shout out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, we appreciate y'all being here very, very much. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Joe, uh, good morning to you and good morning to everybody who is not Brees Hall. Because I'm going against Brees oh. Hall in my hometown league fantasy championship round. Mm. And the Jets did nothing offensively with the exception of their opening possession, which Brees Hall had like six yards and touchdown. So you're in your championship. Yep. Congrats. I know that the playoffs were were a, a thought at one time, and then I guess you well, made it and you're, you're we, doing well. We started one and five. Yeah. And it's the greatest story ever told. Everybody loves an underdog. Yeah. You get, make it to seven and seven. And now as the eight seed, I beat the one seed and then I beat the whatever the three seed or whatever it was. Wow. So now so all right. Well, uh, we'll be on pins and needles to hear about this on Monday. Nobody cares. Are, not well, it, it championships. Kind of the bus. Round of applause, though, for the New York Jets. Clinched their uh, eighth 10 loss season in oh. the last 10 years. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. You hate to see it. Um, all right. So, shall we? Takes on takes here on a, on a Friday. Have you some. Supply, some take, we supply our take on your take. You, you got it. Yeah. It was some meaty stuff to get into today. Um, the first one comes from me. All right. A little, little Joe Marino take here. All right. It's fair to at least ask the question. Should Joe Flacco enter 2024 with a chance to be the Cleveland Browns starting quarterback? Joe, you know, as well as I do, the financials will not allow this to happen. We also saw Josh Dobbs take the league by storm for eight weeks. And now he's benched in the third string quarterback in Minnesota. So much so that they're trying to make the playoffs and they're going back to a day three rookie at the quarterback position to try and figure it out. So not to make that comparison to Joe Flacco. I'm glad you touched on the Browns because I have a Browns take as well. Uh, I think Joe Flacco is an outstanding story. I would be fascinated if he were to get an opportunity to play long-term beyond just this season for the Browns. But I think that's part of what makes it the magic that it is. 
is that it's not for later. It's for now. It's a short-term fix. So what is Joe Flacco's status? I mean, this guy comes in and has a historic December. They're four and one with him. He's throwing touchdown passes, getting yards. He's turning over the ball too. But like, what is Joe Flacco's status in 2024? He's probably not a mid-season pickup to a practice squad, right? Like, there's got to be some opportunity for Joe Flacco entering 2024. You know, you, you would say that, but like he was serviceable last year with the Jets in four starts with nothing going around going on around them offensively either. And he didn't sign with the team until after Thanksgiving. And we are living in this world where like Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke are doing it in Atlanta. The Titans rolled with with Ryan Tannehill to start the year. Sam Howell was a week one starting quarterback. We went from Jimmy G to Aiden O'Connell, and Joe Flacco is going to be sitting on the outside looking in going into 2024. Nobody wants to sell their fan base on a 39-year-old veteran quarterback as the answer at that position if you don't have an answer at that position. Can he be back in Cleveland? Like, Does that get dicey? If he's back in Cleveland, he's Deshaun's backup. And that's, Deshaun that's doesn't play Nick well. Foles, like that's the Nick Foles, Deshaun, or Carson Wentz deal. I feel like, I feel like that's almost it becomes a distraction if Joe's back beyond this year. This is like it's a little bit tough to talk about, right? Because there's some it's merit incredible. to it. But I kind of agree with you. It's like, well, what do you really do here? Do you got to be honest about sustainability? And I think you and I have done. Wait, maybe we haven't gotten everything right in our tenure of podcasting together, but I think we've done a good job of identifying what's sustainable and what's not. And I feel like this falls into unlikely to be sustainable. But man, is he forcing the conversation? In my I mind. mean, dude, he's got a touchdown percentage of 6.4% of his attempts right now are touchdowns. He's just playing lights. What, what happens when you get a little bit of film, all right? And we're up to five games now. So we're at that point and you play, a playoff game and heaven forbid, you know, the injuries catch up to you and the tapes there and a defense has the personnel to match you and you score three points in the playoffs. This whole conversation goes away, right? Immediately. Yes. But then you might say to yourself, well, what does Joe Flacco look like with Nick Chubb and both of our tackles and, you know, like even Cooper and more, they've been injured throughout this little stretch. Like, what does it look like? I don't know, man. It's it's at least a fascinating discussion. All right, next yeah, one here. They're, they're at 11 turnovers in the last four games, and they won yeah. them all. It's yeah, incredible. It's a, that's a problem. It's a problem. Um, I, can, I, can I interject with a yeah, take? Go, go right ahead. Uh, and it has to do with Joe Flacco somewhat to some degree. We need to better redefine the parameters of the Comeback Player of the Year award. That's my take. Okay. Because there's people that want DeMar Hamlin to be the open and shut, and he's got it. Very clear case mm-hmm. if you look at that situation and you feel like that qualifies for the award. Mm-hmm. But then there's people that want Joe Flacco to be comeback player of the year when he was just not with the team as compared to going through adversity like Demar Hamlin did. There's people that think Tua Tungvaloa or Matt Stafford as quarterbacks that were starters that got hurt and now are back and performing at a high level mm-hmm. should be the comeback player of the year. It's like there's too many... Angles to take an ambiguous title for an award. And I think it creates too much unclarity with the voting. 
to take away from what actually is the award supposed to be about? Well, I think part of the uh, part of the issue is that you don't have a definition. You don't have a criteria. It doesn't right. say this award is given to the player who does X, Y, and Z. It's not there, right? So it is open to interpretation. And I think the the biggest exception that I take with the comeback player of the year award is the idea of somebody should get it for coming back from sucking, right? Like you just got bad. Like that people think people think Baker Mayfield should win comeback player. Yeah, I don't I don't love that. I don't like, hey, you were bad, you got good. That's not my favorite thing. Like you should come back from something some level of adversity whether it's an injury or something like that and you know it's funny like the Demar Hamlin thing I I can understand where people are saying he hasn't contributed in a meaningful capacity to the Buffalo Bills but let's face it when this happened everybody said if Demar Hamlin is on that roster he's the shoe-in comeback player of the year and here we right. are in week 17 and wow he didn't contribute in a meaningful capacity and my favorite player did x y and z so let's discredit the fact that the guy died on the field and is back on an nfl roster you know what i mean like there's some there's some challenging layers to it but the problem is that there you you want to work on the definition we need a definition because i feel like we find ourselves in this situation every single year where we're splitting hairs over what we think is the most significant important thing to come back from i yeah and that's where I'm at because I just heard some discourse this morning on the radio talk about comeback player of the year and all the candidates. And it's like, man, we, we got 15 different qualifiers and qualifying yep. criteria for those players that are all being invoked into the conversation. Can yeah. we pick one? Well, maybe part, part step one might be having a most improved, right? Most improved player. I can dig that for sure. Um, but that maybe helps the, the, the field of comeback players of the year. But to me, I look at you came back from a significant level of adversity and you came and you had a meaningful contribution to your team, right? And I think that's big. And obviously you have the ultimate, okay, well, DeMar Hamlin had the ultimate injury, right? Literally the ultimate injury, and then came back and has played a handful of special team snaps, has been mostly inactive. It's a complicated conversation um, for sure. All right, another complicated conversation is the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson. We're going to give our thoughts on that here in just a moment so be sure to stick with us but when you're hiring for your small business you want to be certain that you have as many top tier candidates available as possible to interview that's why you have to check out linkedin jobs linkedin jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free linkedin isn't just another job board linkedin has a vast network of more than a billion professionals which makes it the best place to hire and hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates so easy in fact that 86 percent of small businesses get a qualified candidate Within 24 hours, look, LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Well, thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick and easy, and they even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Give me the next take. Here we go. From John. The Denver Broncos made the right decision right now with Russell Wilson. Taylor Swift, right? Dear John? Uh, I I wasn't picking it up quick enough. I'm sorry. Oh, man. That's the second day in a row I've sung something. What was I singing yesterday? Oh, God. All throughout one of our breaks, too. Yeah. I don't (laughs) don't know, man. Um, So they made the right decision with Russell Wilson? Yeah. Well, you, in the last segment, just alluded to, we don't get everything right on this show, but one thing that we have a pretty decent track record of is identifying the sustainability 
of levels of play. And I think when you watch the film of Russell Wilson, and again, when you watch the film of Russell Wilson, don't look at his box score because I know Russell Wilson's like in tweets saying that he's outperformed Patrick Mahomes this year. And look, Kansas City offense a mess too. I get it. But the, the manner in which Russell is playing the quarterback position is, in my opinion, unsustainable to executing an offense at a level that is going to consistently have you competitive and winning games because not turning the ball over and working touchdown to check down every single play and just dumping the ball off to your backs underneath. If you're not throwing go balls down the field on 80% of your reps is a very vanilla way of playing offense. It does not yield favorably to playing good defenses and it just puts you in such a box and bind and how you play that trying to win with it long-term, particularly with what they're paying Russell Wilson, is outrageous. So from that sense, I agree. I, I do think there's financial challenges that are involved. Um, I probably would have finished the season with Russ. and take. I understand there's a, a financial risk, but you're eligible for the playoffs, and Jared yeah. Stidham ain't it. Like, I'm sorry, he's not. We've seen enough of a body of work for Jared Stidham to, for me to feel pretty confident in saying that to be true. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know that you can be a legit contender in the AFC with the style of football that Russell Wilson plays. Like you mentioned, holding onto the ball, either getting sacked or dumping it down to a running back or tight end or chucking up a prayer, and sometimes it works. Uh, but that's not consistent execution of the offense that's going to – allow you to be the team that's going to represent the AFC over, let's face it, a lot of other really good quarterbacks in the conference, especially in your own division. So I, I like the idea that they're moving on and not staying committed to a mistake is a mistake. And they gave up too much for him. Like none of that's ever going to be better. It's not going to be better if you just cling to the mistake as well. And I think this is a really unique opportunity for them this offseason to address the quarterback position uh, with a fairly good supporting cast already in place, but also maybe take advantage of some of the depth of the quarterback class where I don't know that they're going to be, you know, knocking down, getting Caleb Williams or Drake May or Jaden Daniels, if that's a, a player that's the NFL is going to wind up taking high. But that next wave, wave of quarterbacks, if it's the Michael Penixes of the world or Bo Nix, those types of guys, like maybe this is a, a spot for for Sean Payton to find that guy that's really going to mesh with him and be an answer that's not necessarily a top five pick. So curious to see what direction they go. It feels like maybe there's going to be some veterans out there. Um, but I think moving on from Russell Wilson is the right right decision. But man, while you're mathematically alive, right? I mean, like you you have eight losses. You know, you're talking about right now the seven seed has seven losses, dude. Like play it and, and, you're, and you're a game and change out. Yeah, dude. Like right. you you got to play these games and, and try to try to get in the postseason. And I don't know that. Benching Russell Wilson right now accomplishes that. Chris has a take, and it's of all perceived preseason Super Bowl contenders in the AFC, no team did less to improve on their roster than the Cincinnati Bengals. With the exception of the Orlando Brown signing, every move was either a wash or a significant downgrade, and their struggles this season prove it. Well, before kind of the bug hit the windshield with this season, we referred to Cincinnati and we looked at their draft plans and gave them a lot of credit, you know? So let's be fair with where we were at from a perspective 
beforehand. We said, look, they're, they're drafting ahead of their expiring contracts. Mm-hmm. Kudos to them for doing so. Some of those have not materialized. The secondary has not been what it was supposed to be with the departure of both Von Bell and Jesse Bates. I think that's been the massive regression that they've had. Uh, and even Orlando Brown, he's been a fine tackle, but like, is he an yeah. upgrade? I don't think he's a, like a necessarily a major upgrade. So I think there's some validity to this take. I, I, I'll give him credit for RB2 now that they're getting the running backs a little bit more involved. I, I think Chase Brown's an upgrade over Samaji P. Ryan. <laughs> but like if that if that's where you're gonna point to, hey, we got better, then yeah, it's gonna be hard. And there's a couple of teams in this AFC landscape that you look at what they did, what they were, and what they've been this season. And I think you can look to kind of um status quo, maintaining status quo, or trying to maintain status quo. And those teams regressed in the wing column significantly. And obviously Joe Burrow injury is mm-hmm. a, a large contributing factor for Cincinnati. But I think they're a team. I, I think a team we're going to talk about later today, Joe, with the Chargers yeah. is another team that it's applicable where if you just try to maintain the status quo, it's hard because other teams are going to get better because they have resources to do it. Well, I think I think the Chargers deserve a major shout out in this competition for having the worst offseason to position yourself to take a leap. Um, where the only thing they did was add Eric Kendricks and what their first round pick was Quentin Johnston. What was their plan? Get healthy and get Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator, and that's going to allow us to, you know, take down some of these giants in the AFC. I don't think that was a good plan. But you look at Cincinnati, and I don't know, give Orlando, give Jesse Bates the Orlando Brown money and keep Jonah Williams at left tackle and figure out a right tackle. Like that seems like that probably right. was a better deal. I, I know that a lot of what Cincinnati did was getting new deals for yeah, the linebackers, right? But I mean, Hayden Hurst for Irv Smith, that's not a good swap either. Yeah, downgrade. So yeah, and I think when you look at the Chargers, when you look at Cincinnati, congrats on getting your quarterback figured out. But I think the bigger question has always been with these teams is how do notoriously cheap owners, right? Like how are they going to maximize their windows with these young quarterbacks? So far, not good. So I think another, I think another team in this conversation is Jacksonville. What they did, Calvin Ridley. But but they got Ridley last year, right? And it's you true. knew that, that yeah. was going to be a long term play. They drafted Anton Harrison in expectation of, of, the, Cam, of the Cam Robinson suspension, right. which probably yeah. spurred that selection to be yeah. front front and center. Uh, their offensive line struggled greatly, but like it was like Fortner was a third round pick last year, and they they rolled that back, and understandably so. But it, it took uh, what Shat- Shatley and. Who was the other guard option for them? Um, Whoever that guy. They're playing they, Walker Little there. and they, well, they, well, they, they traded for Ezra Cleveland at the trade deadline. Ezra Cleveland, Brandon point, Scherf. Yeah. Like, that left guard spot was a problem for Jacksonville all year last year, and it took till the trade deadline Yeah, amidst all the injuries that you had to, to make a move there. Dude, I think they they're were... a little bit more unique because they have so many young players as they were building through the draft, but – that was another team that, that as we're sitting here thinking about teams that regressed in the AFC, I think there was too much just status quo. Yeah. And, dude, they they wanted Anton Harrison more than anything in the whole world in the draft because uh, the, the, that was the – the Bills traded up with Jacksonville to get Dalton Kincaid, and there's 
tape. There's video documented uh, evidence of, of that conversation with Brandon Bean and uh, Trent Balky, where Balky's basically gun to head. Tell me you're not going to draft Anton Harrison. Like it was, it was a big deal for him. Um, so yeah, that was. I guess they traded down twice. Well, they got their guy, so good, good for right. them. But they were nervous about it for sure. All right, uh, we are having fun here today on a Friday. We got some fun stuff to get into, uh, including some MVP discussion. Justin oh, Herbert, boy. the Chiefs, all kinds of MVP stuff. Who should be the? Well, sorta. Also, who should be the next coach of the Commanders? Somebody's got an idea there. So stick with us. But as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. It's $150 if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a ton of different things to bet on, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off this NFL season. That's FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Folks, I love DoorDash. The convenience of DoorDash is unmatched. We're all busy people, right? We're all trying to find time and we're wondering what's for dinner. When are we going to get to the grocery store? Well, DoorDash can handle those things for you. In fact, I'm not going to lie. We have, uh, we are child free tonight in the Marino household. My daughter is staying with my mother spending the night. You know what my wife and I are going to do? We're going to stay in and order DoorDash so we don't have to deal with, uh, you know, going out and all that. We're just going to enjoy a quiet evening at home. And they're going to bring us food from our favorite local restaurant right to our front door. I don't know what we're going to get. Maybe Afton Tavern. Maybe uh, maybe Rosario's our favorite Italian place. But the bottom line is we can have more time and not have to deal with going out to the restaurant because they'll bring it right to us. They'll bring you groceries right to your front door. They'll bring you a snack from the gas station. You need something from CVS, they'll bring it to your house. So check it out. Get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend 15 bucks or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCK23. Subject to change, terms apply. Again, that's 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCK23. Subject to change, terms apply. All right. Yeah, listen, I said MVP. Here's the MVP take All right. from Weekly Huddle. The NFL should retire the MVP and Offensive Player of the Year award and make a Tom Brady award for the best quarterback season and a separate award for non-quarterbacks that is given equal importance to the other award. No. Ooh. Okay. So two thoughts here. First of all, um, I'm the, the MVP conversation right now sucks. It does. And it's, a week, it's the new, it's this year's weekly thing that every network is using to just farm crazy engagement by rabid fans yeah. that want to go bat for their yeah. Fans. It's a, it's what's smart because everybody falls into it. Right, Kyle and I after week eighteen, when the entire sample size of meaningful data is compiled, we'll give you our pick for. Maybe everybody. we're bad at doing shows for that. No, we, we are. Should. We yeah, are. We should. Heavy Mondays. Yeah, right? we, should. Like, oh, we should. Brock Purdy yeah. threw four picks. Right, yell at it. yell oh, about Mark it week to week. It's like I don't know. Like in my mind, there's a there's plenty of great candidates right now. Can we see how the last two weeks of the season play out? But but here's what I will say. One thing that I've I've regained convictions on is I don't think that the NFL MVP can be a non-quarterback. And so if you think people like me suck for saying that, then yeah, we should we need to have two separate awards, but we already kind of do NFL MVP because nothing can ever be more valuable than a quarterback. And then offensive player of the year, which generally goes to that non-quarterback. So I think we already have what you're looking for here, weekly huddle. Right. But if you're just framing it through the titling of oh, best quarterback. 
no, the quarterback's the most important position on the field, right? And the I just way can't the get myself is, there, dude. And the game, the way the game is played right now, I'm inclined to agree with you. They they're responsible for everything. Yeah. And like, here's the deal: if Tyreek Hill gets nine one thousand nine hundred and seventy yards, he's not the MVP. But if he gets two thousand sixty three, he's the MVP. I don't know, man. He's like that's going to be oh, if if a receiver or running back gets two thousand yards, then they're they're the MVP. We've had two thousand yards from scrimmage seasons from running backs that have not won MVP. Yeah, I don't know. It's a quarterback award. I'm sorry, it just is. Nothing will ever be more than a quarterback. So I don't. We'll see. Purdy's in it for me. Tua's in it for me. Josh Allen's in it for me. Lamar, maybe. Did did you feel like that was an elimination performance from Purdy? Not no. not that not that you're immune from no. not immune from having a bad game, but four picks. No, I don't think it was. No, there's still a world where I where I can when we talk about this in two weeks. There's 100 percent a world where I can land on Brock Purdy as the MVP. Okay, I would say it's going to be unlikely. I'll tell you if two if Dolphins win the next two, it's I'll tell you it's going to be Tua. That's what's fun, right? Because it's Baltimore played San Francisco and Baltimore won. Now Baltimore plays Miami. What happens if Miami wins and then Miami goes plays Buffalo? <laughs> like, what happens if, if the Bills win the next two and they right. and they're the right. two seed? And it's, that, I'm going to tell you it's Josh Allen. That's why we wait until right. I don't have the information yet. I don't have it. Uh, all right, here's this is from Owen. Owen says Justin Herbert's career trajectory is looking similar to that of Matthew Stafford, a clearly talented quarterback who is being held back by the franchise that he is showing loyalty to and will only find personal success when he is moved to a team that has a good infrastructure when the Chargers decide it's time to do a complete teardown. Have you heard the galaxy brain stuff that's out there about uh, from Bears fans? Probably. No, I haven't. No. Tell about me what trade, this is. Trying to trade the number one pick for Justin Herbert so the Chargers can reset the, the cap of, of like the Herbert contract to get a because of their cap situation and the Bears get Herbert for the first overall pick. I've not heard that. Um who says no? Probably the Chargers, right? The Chargers say no. Yeah, I wouldn't trade the number one. I wouldn't do that. I'd, I'd want to have Justin. You know Herbert what? Just, you know what Justin Herbert is, and, and yeah. I know there's a bunch of memes and, and discourse out there about Justin Herbert, but like, it's a player who's proven to perform at a very high level. It, it, the, the what they're charged with is getting the group around him right. But you know that he can throw the ball all over the field successfully at the NFL level, as compared to a complete unknown. Um with any of the quarterbacks from this rookie class. I think there's a lot of good to what Owen is saying. I think the arc is fair, excuse me, is very similar with Matthew Stafford. I will say this about Justin Herbert is I don't know that it's going to take going to a new team, right? Like them offloading him. I don't know that that's what it's going to take. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Why can't it happen? Why can't it happen with the chargers? Beautiful stadium. They have the new facility going up. Like you, you can get talent. I don't know. I, I feel like he can do it with the Chargers. So that's the only thing that I push back on there. Yeah. Uh, let's get to this one from Owen. Uh, for the commanders, what about Brian Flores as the coach to come in and try building a culture? And here's the part that's going to be the kicker. Without the organization undercutting him this time. You are uniquely qualified to answer this question. I am, and I want to pick my words carefully here. Do you have any thoughts off the front? While oh, I yeah. I, you know how I feel about Brian Flores and his style of defense. I hate it. I hate it. So, like, 
I wouldn't want that influence on my defense. I think it's it, it makes it too easy on quarterbacks. I don't like it at all. And um, I I I can look at Brian Flores in his time in Miami and and, and come away with uh, some level of respect for the win totals that he was able to get, and they got him out of the hole the one year. Uh, but the more we've learned about that situation, the more it became abundantly obvious that they couldn't continue with Brian Flores, and there was a lack of alignment between uh, him and the the rest of the decision makers there in Miami. So, like, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't. I, based on what I heard from Brian Flores in uh, about that tenure, I I wouldn't be interested. So I, I don't like his I don't like his football, and I don't I don't like what he did with his first opportunity in terms of not getting himself aligned with the rest of the organization. So this would be a hard no so, for me. So yeah, I, I think there was a misalignment from the organization when they started and the expectations for year one versus what they got. And that's fine, right? Like that, that happens at the end of the day, Brian Flores's tenure in Miami was sunk because he had no contacts to run his offense to the point in where the general manager had to call in a personal favor to bring somebody out of retirement to be the offensive coordinator. And then that guy left and said, no, thanks. After Jim Caldwell, the year before, spent two weeks in the building and said, no, thanks. I'd rather sit at home again. And then they had three play callers in one season. Including a guy who called plays for two years in college, and that was his only play calling experience. He started the year calling plays. That was the second biggest hurdle behind kind of the... uh, I don't want to say totalitarian. Um, oh, he, he sabotaged his own opportunity, dude. Like, let's be real. Well, about and, it. But and but me saying that, like, I have a ton of respect for Brian Flores as a coach. But if you want to talk about instilling a, a positive culture, when Kenny Stills is having political discourse and your response is to troll him for an entire practice by only playing musician music by one musician, the entire practice after he spoke out about a politics thing and make Fitzpatrick demands to get traded. That wasn't about positional versatility, no matter what they made it about publicly because make Fitzpatrick goes to Pittsburgh. And by the end of his first year in Pittsburgh, he's begging to be moved around mm-hmm. and play other spots. So were there ways in which, Brian Flores was not on the same page with the organization and it stood out. Yes. But I think there were dynamics around Brian Flores that were self-perpetuated or, or internal within himself issues that ultimately made the decision to leave. And, and there's a bunch more that I've heard about that situation that I am not at Liberty to discuss. Yeah. Look at the handling of Tua. Look no further than the handling of Tua. Right. Your only experience with a quarterback for your entire NFL career was Tom Brady. So that's your only expectation. When you don't get a player who operates like Tom Brady, that guy sucks. After you, I mean, whether it was your preference or not, it was the decision that your organization made with the number, what, a five pick or whatever it was. And if Brian Flores would have had his way, the Dolphins would have traded three ones for Deshaun Watson. Bullet dodge. Okay. What else you got? You got one more for now us? Maybe, you can, maybe Joe Flacco could be writing, rewriting history That's books right. for the Dolphins. Yeah. You know? Flacco in South Beach. <laughs> Perfect, man. <laughs> Guy was falling asleep by the end of the game last night. Without Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill, and Bradley Chubb as part of the roster. Wow. Because yeah. those were the picks that have been used to get to show Mario. 
No, it's we're good. We're good here. We're okay. Good. Okay. We're we're all done. That's Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, locked on NFL scouting. Uh, you can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. We've alluded to it already, but we have an additional show coming today on the Los Angeles Chargers debriefing their 2023 season, which mercifully is over effectively for all intents and purposes. They have games left to play, but the season's over. And we'll talk about what went wrong, their key decisions, and why they should be optimistic moving forward. That is later today on Locked on NFL Scouting. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.